Well, this evening we'll start off with another uh, character study. Um, I've had a look at various uh, Bible person, personalities in the past, and uh, tonight we'll have a look at Philip. And you say, well, which Philip? Because there are three Philips mentioned in the New Testament. First of all, there is Philip, the son of Herod the Great, who was brother of Herod Antipas. And uh, remember, it was Antipas who took Philip's wife Herodias, uh, committing adultery, and therefore uh, came under the um, rebuke of John the Baptist, for which John was imprisoned and at the behest, uh, the whim of uh, Herod's daughter, John was beheaded. Uh, The daughter, of course, was uh, pushed along by her mother, and and so uh, John's great um, witness and testimony to the coming king was uh, brought to a close. And then there was uh, Philip, the disciple, uh, one of the 12 apostles that the Lord Jesus called to be his followers and to be the foundation of the early church. Uh, he's always mentioned in the second group of four of the apostles when you have the whole list of apostles named. Uh, the 12 disciples uh, are grouped in uh, lots of four First of all, there was uh, the first group of four, Peter and Andrew, James and John, two sets of brothers. Sometimes the names uh, do get come out in different order. might be Peter and John and James and Andrew, but, um, but always those four are together. And then the second group of four would be Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, and Matthew and Thomas and Philip. Uh, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas uh, could be the order. And then the final group of four, there is another Simon, Simon Zelotes or Simon the Zealot who was a guerrilla fighter and yet he was called by the Lord uh, as well as another James, James the Less, James the son of Alphaeus. And there were two by the name of Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot, the more well-known one, But there was another Judas, and uh, uh, he is only mentioned apart from the list of disciples once, and that is in John chapter 14, uh, the upper room, when various disciples were asking the Lord questions. This is the night before his crucifixion, and uh, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Philip said, uh, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And uh, Tom, uh, Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that you will sh- uh, manifest yourself to us but not to the world? So that is the only other occasion where we read of that Judas apart from the list of disciples. But we're going to have a look this evening at the third Philip and that is Philip the Evangelist. Uh, we'll get to where he is called Philip the Evangelist uh, at the end. But in the meantime, we first get to hear of him in the book of Acts and chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, uh, the church is in its infancy. Uh, it commenced on the day of Pentecost and uh, Peter and John were the prominent uh, disciples on that occasion. And uh, Peter 
uh, we see a complete change in him from the one who uh, denied his saviour three times um, in the in the gospels. Uh, the one who said, "No, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus of Nazareth," and uh, he denied him with oaths and cursing. But he and now, with all boldness, he's preaching. And he's preaching, calling on the people to repent for their great sin of rejecting their Messiah. And, uh, and, and, and so, uh, so that is uh, Peter. Uh, thousands were saved, uh, somewhere between seven, eight, nine thousand converts during those times. And, uh, and great blessing was had. Well, people had come from uh, different places, distant places even, for the Feast of Pentecost. And it seems that some of them stayed on. It must have been something of a uh, real mountaintop experience and reluctant to go to their homes. And of course, they didn't have uh, government assistance then uh, with Social Security, nor did they have uh, credit cards. And so uh, people ran out of the wherewithal for their daily living. And uh, so they were depending upon the generosity of the locals. Well, that was all very well. The only problem was that the, uh, the resident Jewish widows were being looked after uh, in a better way than the ones who'd come from distant places. And so there was a bit of a rift already in the young church. And so we read uh, in chapter 6. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there rose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. These are the Greek Jewish people or uh, the Greek Jews because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So you see, the apostles there, they were already busy with this vast number of young converts and uh, discipling them further. And so uh, come to verse 3. Uh, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I'm not surprised that a great number of priests became Christians because, after all, they were ministering in the tabernacle at the time of the crucifixion. This was the time of Passover, when Passover lambs were being slain, and all of a sudden that heavy curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place tore 
as it should not have torn, but it was torn by the hand of God. And so when all this realisation comes upon them, I am not surprised that a good many priests became Christians also. But you see, uh, they were looking for these qualifications in, um, in those deacons who would serve tables to free up the disciples for what they were to do. And so they, they uh, said, choose out seven men of good reputation. They had to be reputable. They had to um, be spiritual people full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. That is, they had to be very practical in what they did. And it's interesting that the, the names given here, most if not all of them, are Greek names. So certainly the Greek widows who had um, been unfairly treated will get a good uh, representation from these men. So this is the first time we read of uh, Philip on this occasion. But uh, to go on now to uh, the one where he is most noted, we're coming over now to chapter 8 in the book of Acts. So uh, I suppose the most well-known of the uh, seven deacons, as we would might call them, uh, would be Stephen, uh, a man full of the Holy Ghost. And Stephen is the one who gave a tremendous witness and testimony to the Lord of glory. And uh, as he went through the Old Testament history, I can see those old... Uh, Jewish people listening and yes, yes, that's true, yes, this is so, as he went through all of the history of the Old Testament and then finally he comes to the Lord Jesus himself and, uh, and, and he challenged them all, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and mind, you do always resist the Holy Spirit, just like your fathers did, so do you. Well, of course, then the stones started coming his way and he was stoned to death. And, uh, and we, we read that uh, as uh, his spirit was departing from him, when he looked up into heaven, he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the majesty on high. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Where have you heard that before? From his master, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here was truly a man of God. And then he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Very much like Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Well, um, so, so that was Stephen. When we come to chapter 8, we come to the other one of these seven deacons, and that is Philip. So as a result of his stoning... Chapter 8 begins with Saul of Tarsus. Now, he was public enemy number one to the Christian church at that time. So he's not yet a saved man. Just keep that in the back of your mind. And Saul was consenting to the death of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. 
So remember in our message this morning, uh, we ask, why is this happening to me and yet God is sovereign and we let God be God? Persecution came, but we see the great blessing comes from this because the Christians were scattered and so wherever they went, hey, all of these missionaries are going out telling the good news of the kingdom, telling people something of the character of God. God so loved the world, telling of the plight of man, that man is ruined and undone and needs a saviour, and then presenting the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his gracious love and his desire to save. And so there was great blessing to be had. And so um, in verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, and this is Philip uh, the deacon, not Philip the apostle, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. The apostles stayed on in Jerusalem. Uh, Verse 6, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralysed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. So here we have uh, Philip the preacher now. These Samaritans, they were a mixed people. Uh, Hundreds of years before, in fact, uh, the year 721 or 722 BC, uh, the kingdom was a divided kingdom, ten tribes in the northern kingdom, two in the south, and uh, the Assyrians raided the north. They took away uh, most of the men into Babylon, into um, Persia, uh, to other countries, and then they repopulated it with people from these idolatrous nations. Idolatry came into the northern kingdom for a while, but so did intermarriage, and so they were a mixed race. They were a half-breed race. And that is why in New Testament times, the Jews had no dealings with them. You know, we don't want to know you people. But remember when our Lord uh, met with the uh, woman of Samaria at the well, and she made mention of uh, their father, Jacob. You see, the Jews that uh, God had promised to Abraham were a covenant people. Uh, They had to be descendants of Abraham through Isaac, not through Ishmael, and descendants of Isaac through Jacob, not through Esau. And so this woman of Samaria also claimed uh, the, the ancestor Jacob as her ancestor, and rightly so, she was. But a half, half-caste half uh, people they were, and that's why they were, they, they really were scorned more than the Gentiles themselves, if that were possible. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. But now, here we are in the church age, and uh, with this persecution and this scattering of Christians to other countries, Philip and others came to Samaria and there was Philip preaching the gospel. Yes, this good news of the gospel is also for you Samaritans. And many were saved and there were many uh, miracles uh, performed. Uh, unclean spirits were cast out. 
uh, those who were paralysed, lame, were healed, and, uh, and so there was great cause for rejoicing. And it goes on to say that there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practised sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed. Uh, you know, some of the things that he was doing, uh, they saw was truly amazing and they, they put him on a pedestal. Um, but uh, coming down to verse 11, they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptised. Both men and women were baptised. And Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptised, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So was this Simon truly a Christian? It says that he believed, he was baptised, and yet he may not have even been saved at all. And it is possible for someone to go through the motions of, uh, of repenting, putting their tr faith and trust. If they genuinely do it, they are genuinely saved. But sometimes with easy believism, people can be uh, persuaded into making a spurious conversion experience and may not even be saved at all, even to being baptised. So just because a person uh, has signed a card or put his hand up in a meeting or come out to the front or whatever, and then even been baptised as a believer by immersion, does not necessarily mean that he is Christian, as we've seen so many go off the rails and seem to never, ever come back to the Lord again. And you just wonder, were they really saved in the first place? Were they baptised all in vain? And if they're still depending on baptism to get them to heaven, they are sadly disillusioned. Well, um, perhaps he was a Christian, perhaps he wasn't. But Peter was a, an apostle who really did have the gift of discernment. When we read in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, that uh, the Holy Spirit has gifted men uh, with different gifts and all Christians have a gift of some sort or other. But when it comes to the church, we read that he gave, uh, the ascended Christ has given gifts unto men and uh, he, for some he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And uh, Philip really did have the gift of an evangelist. Later on, he is, uh, we'll come back to where he is called Philip the Evangelist. But um, the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, as we read in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Uh, just to turn over to there for just one quick moment. Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you... Ephesian Christians, Gentile Christians, who were once Gentiles and outside of the covenants of Israel, uh, Paul is saying to them in this letter, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You once were, you were Gentiles. You were strangers and foreigners, but now you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. But then when we come over to chapter 4 where he speaks of these, um, uh, verse 7 of chapter 4, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, and this is a quote from Psalm 68, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, Paul is explaining, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets. Here is the foundation of the church and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that is how it reads in the authorised version. There is a comma, uh, giving gifts to the church, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, and then it has a comma there in the King James Version, the authorised version, for the equipping of the saints, secondly, for the work of ministry, comma, and thirdly, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, the New King James has taken out that first comma to link that all together and uh, equipping of the saints for the work of ministry is read through as one sentence without a pause. In other words, the saints are equipped for the service, the ministry in the church. And uh, really, if you wanted to, because after all, the punctuation is added by the translators. It was not in the original. Take out all three, all two commas, make the three of them into one, and you have for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What ministry? The edifying of the body of Christ. And so the whole lot is for the building up of the body of Christ. Well, uh, anyhow, as, as I say, Philip himself was an evangelist. One of these gifts given by the Holy Spirit to the church for the building up of the body. In other words, the evangelist, his domain, his province was among the unsaved to declare to them the character of God, that God is holy. He is unimaginably holy. God abhors sin and we have sinned and come short of God's glory. And so therefore we are at enmity with God, but Christ has made a, a way for us to be reconciled through the cross. And so this is the work of the evangelist. Uh, somewhat it's uh, departed from that um, in modern days where we have big evangelistic campaigns and it's largely sort of a revival uh, focus of getting the churches back to where they should be but primarily the evangelist was the one who brought the good news to the lost. All right, so... Um, so this is down in uh, Samaria, getting back to Acts chapter 8, and uh, Philip is the evangelist, and among those who, who appeared to be a Christian and may very well have been a true Christian, however, Peter had the gift of discernment. When we come to chapter 5, 
we read here that because of people coming from distant places being in want, the locals who were able to gave their excess to help those others. Well, there was one couple there, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold their block of land and they brought some of the money to the apostles and that was a good thing to do. The only thing is they pretended that what they brought was the total amount that they got, the total sale price. And so they were pretending to be fully committed to this, whereas they weren't. It was quite okay for them to keep that part for themselves, but not to pretend that they were giving it all. Uh, as uh, Peter said to Ananias, he said, while it, was while it remained, it was yours. You, could, you, you needn't have done it at all if you didn't want to. It was your block of land. And when you sold it, if you wanted to keep part and give part, that's great also. But because you've pretended that this amount of money you brought is the total amount, you're guilty of hypocrisy and Ananias went down dead. Now, if the Lord dealt with us today for hypocrisy, how many of us would survive? But it's just showing us what a serious thing it is in the eyes of God. And so really we should take that on board, that God hates hypocrisy as well. Uh, and um, his wife, Sapphira, of course, she was party to it, and uh, she also confirmed that um, what uh, Ananias had said, that this was the total amount given. Well, um, uh, Peter, this one with the gift of discernment, he came to Samaria because the, the apostles back in Jerusalem had heard uh, of the wonderful things happening in Samaria and they sent him down to uh, help them. So let's read, uh, we're still in Acts chapter 8. And um, uh, we're at verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. The Holy Spirit had not touched the lives of the Samaritan Christians uh, I can't give any explanation uh, for this. Uh, this is different to uh, when believers became believers in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so as a result, the uh, well, just to read on in verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, that is the Samaritan believers. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, not in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, only in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now here we come to Simon again. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hand the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He's going to merchandise it all. He's going to add this to the list of tricks that he'd been able to perform before. And, and so Peter said to him, verse 20, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. 
It is not of works. It is nothing we can do to earn it. We cannot purchase it. It is the gift of God. And so uh, Peter goes on to say, You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness. But um, as I say, whether he really was a true Christian. This is not to uh, be in any way critical of Philip, by the way, because uh, we can be so easily fooled if someone were to to make a spurious conversion uh, witness and really not be saved at all. And so, um, so it's not to say there's anything lacking, but um, but of course uh, P- Peter himself may not have known until. Uh, Simon had um, come out with this request. Give me this gift also. Here's some money for you. $100, $1,000, $20,000. We don't know what the amount was the equivalent of. But anyhow, uh, so much for Philip then preaching in Samaria. He is the evangelistic preacher. People are being saved. And now we come to verse uh, 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, what a series of wonderful coincidences here. First of all, he's reading aloud. Now, we're told it's a good thing to read aloud because you're not only reading it with your eyes, you're actually hearing it with your ears, you're hearing your own voice. And so it does help to get it on board to read aloud, although I find it hard to do and I'm sure you do uh, find it hard also. But um, this man was reading aloud because Philip heard him. He he knew exactly where he was reading from. And so uh, Philip said to him, Do you understand what you are reading? So here is this. A lovely man of God, Philip the Evangelist, and he's being very courteous here uh, and friendly. Do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian man replied, how can I unless someone guides me? Well, the Holy Spirit guided Philip to there to guide this man with what he was reading and to make it plain to him. So he he had come to uh, Jerusalem, um, uh, who had charged all the treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, It probably was around about the time of the the great feast, uh, Pentecost. But, um, you know, he's going home now and it seems that he must in some ways be somewhat disillusioned, somewhat disappointed. And, uh, and here he is reading the scriptures. He's picked up a copy of, uh, 
We don't know how much of Isaiah's prophecy he had, but he certainly had the 53rd, and you can see the hand of God in this. When I said before a coincidence, it was no coincidence. This was the Lord's doing, and once again, he is sovereign in this matter. So then, uh, so the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up with him. The place in the scripture which he read was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Well, of course, he had more than just those select verses there. He would have had all of the 53rd of Isaiah And having no doubt heard a lot of what had gone on in Jerusalem uh, just a few short months previously, that is Calvary's cross, and uh, knowing what was transpiring already in uh, Jerusalem with people coming to faith in Christ, and now he's on his way home, puzzled about all of this. And uh, Philip is taken away from a very fruitful ministry in Samaria, where hundreds are being saved every time he gets up to preach just for one man, just for one soul person. And you say, but Lord, wouldn't he have been far better off to stay there where the numbers are and see many, many more? Once again, the sovereignty of God. And so uh, this, is, this is God's doing, marvellous in our eyes. And uh, so uh, verse 34, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at the same scripture, preached Jesus to him. So now he's, as he's listening to that, and it all falls into place, and this dark man from Ethiopia who thought he had been a stranger but he'd come to Jerusalem to worship. He was the chief um, treasurer of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians and now he's on his way back again but he's puzzling over this and now the realisation comes that the gospel is for him and for his people also. Verse 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Or if you like, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. They've come to a stretch of water. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Here is another example of believers' baptism. They both went down into the water. Now when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Philip was obedient to the Holy Spirit, telling him to go south to Gaza. Remember uh, that city, Gaza, where Samson was? 
and uh, to join himself to this chariot. But now that his work is done miraculously, he is just caught away. And uh, the eunuch saw him no more. But um, <laughs> after the surprise of that, I suppose, he went on his way rejoicing. And so no doubt taking the gospel message along with the scriptures that he had uh, with him. And you know, as I see that here he was, this man from Ethiopia, and he's got the 53rd of Isaiah. How much more of Isaiah's prophecy did he have after this? I'd like to think that he has the next two, next several uh, chapters as well. Uh, chapter 55, um, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And... Uh, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, uh, so are my ways higher than your ways. But then even in, when you come to chapter 56, if he had chapter 56, what would you think of these as words of encouragement just for him personally? Listen to this, verse 1. Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner, I am the son of the foreigner, do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Wow, I'm the son of the foreigner, and yet the Lord is accepting me. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am a dry tree. I won't have any children, grandchildren. I'll have no one to remember and yet, nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. My line will die out when I die. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, Choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Wow. And so today we have this recorded in our scriptures. And, uh, and I'm sure that he would have had that and he would have uh, rejoiced when he came to that. No doubt he would have read the 53rd of Isaiah over and over again, relishing the truth of what he was reading. But when he got to this, well, what more would he have wanted after that? Okay, very quickly, we come to the final um, picture of um, uh, of uh, Philip now, and that is when we come over to chapter 21. By the way, up until now, uh, both Samaria and to the Ethiopian were in chapter 8, Saul of Tarsus does not become a Christian until chapter 9. But now, this must be about 25 years later because uh, Paul, as his name was changed from Saul, is now on his way to Jerusalem for the final time. 
So we're in Acts chapter 21 and verse 8. And very quickly now, uh, Acts chapter 21 verse 8. And uh, Luke is writing, Luke is there because he uh, speaks in the first person plural. He said, On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea. Paul now has been on several missionary journeys. He's planted churches here and there. This is decades later before uh, Paul's... um, martyrdom in Rome Uh, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist so there's his title now Philip the Evangelist who was one of the seven one of the seven deacons not one of the twelve disciples and so this is that wonderful man of God we don't read much of him but oh what a treasure he has been to the early church and, uh, and and so uh, on, on that note there, as he was host to Paul and his companions for several days, uh, the curtain falls on his life. Serving the Lord mostly in obscurity for all of that time, we read nothing of him then, uh, but uh, Samaria, he would have had the memories of the wonders of that and also uh, the, uh, the amazing conversion of that uh, Ethiopian eunuch would have been one of the highlights in his life as well. But, um, but uh, faithful to the end and uh, serving the Lord's people. Well, I've gone over time. Let's pray. Loving Father, we bow before your presence once again. We give you thanks that the Holy Spirit has gifted those with uh, various gifts and that all this is to be used not selfishly but for the benefit of others. And Lord, for we do pray that we may be uh, very faithful uh, in our lives, in the life that we live, the testimony that we give before others for our faith and trust in the Lord and that the gifts that we may have will be used for the Master's glory. And so we we thank you for the life of this man, Philip, uh, recorded for us in the Acts of the Apostles, and we pray, Father, that we too may be faithful in our walk and talk with the Lord. So part us now with your blessing. Take us to our homes in safety and be with us throughout this evening and through the days that lie ahead. And we ask all of these things, giving you our thanks in our Saviour's precious name. Amen.